Spring is here, and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily, yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. When you want the best, you have to act fast, especially when hiring for your business. You want to find the most talented people before the competition scoops them up. And the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds top talent fast. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Spotify. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast, brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Hello, welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. I'm Tom Marvin, technical editor here at Bike Radar, and today I'm joined by two of our erstwhile technical editors at Bike Radar. We've got Sam Chalice, who's our new road technical editor. How are you getting on, Sam? Hello there. Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. Enjoying it. Good. The team are lovely. Settled in well. I have settled. Brilliant. And a slightly longer reigning technical editor, Al Evans. How are you getting on, Al? I'm great, Tom. Uh, just been looking forward to uh, the Christmas festivities and being fat and eating loads of food. Well, there we go. That's relevant because um, we're recording this before Christmas, but this podcast has obviously gone out after Christmas. Great. um... That's what happens when we do loads of prep for podcasts (laughs) when we all know exactly when they're going to be published and what they're going to be about. Exactly that. And and prep is something we have been doing. Uh, To sort of tie in with a lot of the stuff we're doing on Bike Radar, we are looking at the 2022 trends. These are the things that we think with some insider knowledge um, and some uh, hypothetical thinking, uh, this is what's going to happen in the cycle industry in 2022. So we're going to look at, uh, obviously, road, gravel and mountain bikes. And while there's three of us in the podcast studio today, uh, we've ha- we have contributions pre-recorded from numerous other people within the bike radar, news, tech and testing teams. Um, so we're going to drop some of those in along the way, but we're going to start um, with some curly barred action to start off with. So Sam, why don't you go first? I think I know what you're going to be saying. Uh, you think cassettes are going to get bigger in 2022? Is that right? I do, Tom, because well, I mean it's happened already in 2021. I think we're going to see more of the same of it in 2022. Mm-hmm. You've got SRAM in 2021. SRAM have got rival up to 12 speed. And it's, it's been given the wireless access treatment. You've got uh, Shimano making a long way to move to 12 speed with Dura Ace and Ultegra, mm-hmm. and then Campagnolo with 13 speed. Wow. 
Uh, but yeah, like I say, 2022, I think there's going to be more sprockets on cassettes. Um, first off, you've got Campagnolo with the N3W Freehub standard. One of my favourites. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a good one. It's a norm. So to refresh, because I'm sure well, I'm sure you know all about oh, it, yeah. obviously. Uh, but it's the same spline pattern as their pre-existing one, but it's 4.4 millimeters stubbier. So you can get a small, tiny, tiny sprockets, ten tooth, nine tooth, off the end of it within a standard freehand spacing. Wow! Uh, they're using that for the Eckar. They're gonna. They said they're gonna use that for their road as well. So it opens up all sorts of gearing possibilities. I've got a question about that. Mm-hmm. Um, have the cassette sprockets got narrower? Yes, they have. have. Uh. How much narrower are they? Oh, why did you ask? <laughs> Jesus, Alex. <laughs> I don't know fractions of a millimeter wow and the chain is thinner too uh, have have the people at campag ridden with an, a nine tooth sprocket because there were mountain bike cassettes with nine teeth on the e13 did them and they rode horrible okay who they, knows well there's 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 it's a, it's a thorny subject it is. lots of issues with in terms of longevity of cassettes because mm-hmm. they're, they're machined out of one part as well so you're thinking like oh wow yeah, there's not no. not many teeth in, to engage with the chain there. Like one or tooth, one or two, two maybe pulling. Yeah, because the the wrap around on the nine teeth is going to be pretty, pretty minimal. Small, isn't yeah, it? yeah, mm-hmm. about, yeah, well, it's about a quarter of um, quarter of a revolution. Is it so? A quarter of nine is two and a half. Mm. Oh my God, Tom's mathematical abilities. I, I don't even care if that's wrong, Tom. <laughs> Your maths is just. It makes you beautiful. Smashed it. Yeah, you're saying you haven't prepped for this. But... <laughs> no, I've got my notes. I've got my notes. <laughs> and a calculator. And a calculator. Yeah. Um, Interesting. So, so anyway, yes, yeah, so I was explaining that that I think Road 13 speed will happen for Campagnolo in 2022, and I think uh, 105 12 speed for Shimano will happen as well. Oh, you're stepping on the toes of Simon there. Who, I am. I won't say any this. more on the subject. I'm just going to broach it and yeah. invite Simon to expand. Can I ask for um, mostly for the benefit of my friend Nick, um, who asked me when is 12 speed GRX coming? I can't say. I know. Well, that I means know. it's coming in 2022. Oh, my God. Or maybe no. 2023 or maybe 2024. Or we, maybe it's not coming. Maybe, maybe Sam knows that it's not yeah. coming. But Sam, um, no comment. There. Sam will have sent uh, signed uh, a, D, a DNR. Uh, not, do, do not resuscitate. resuscitate. <laughs> Jesus Christ. An MDA. He, he will once uh, Sam come TLA. after him now. <laughs> Jesus. My uh, friends I mean, colleagues. Shimano, what am I on about? <laughs> They're trying to trip me up, and I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to be subject to any legal action. So we'll, we'll move on. We'll, you don't want to be subject we'll to a do on. not resuscitate order. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe this is a good time to 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 drop in Simon's contribution because yeah, we'll go. yeah, give um, I believe he thinks Shimano 105 might be coming in 2022. This is Simon von Bromley, and I'm a senior technical writer for BikeRadar.com. My most anticipated tech trend for 2022 is a new Shimano 105 group set. This year saw Shimano finally announce and release the new 12-speed Dura-Ace and Ultegra Di2 group sets. That's been lovely for those with lots of money to spend, but with that out of the way, I'm most excited about the prospect of a new 105 group set in 2022. A new 105 group set has typically been announced around a year or so after the release of a new Ultegra group set, so I'm hopeful 2022 will finally be the year Shimano's great value Workhorse Road group set sees a similar refresh. What might we expect? Well, at the very least, I'd hope it makes the jump to 12 speed, but what I'd really love to see is a move to electronic shifting. Of course, like with SRAM rival ETAP Axis, I'm sure a Shimano 105 Di2 group set would come with a weight penalty over its pricier siblings, but I don't really care about that. The ball is in your court, Shimano. 
don't let me down. Um, anything else on the subject, Sam? I mean, SRAM, okay, bucking my trend a little bit, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I don't see any any road or gravel sprockets being added to cassettes there. We'll see, though. They're, they're forward thinking. Maybe they'll surprise us all with 13 speed. Okay, okay. Um, let's stay uh, on, on the road front for a minute. Now, everyone knows, everyone's favourite topic uh, when it comes to road bikes is, of course, disc brakes on road bikes. Um, so I think we're going to very quickly now hear from Jack Luke, who has an opinion on the subject. My tech prediction for 2022 is that every Grand Tour will be one on disc brakes and no notable rim brake bikes will be released. Though the team issue Pinarello Dogma F was notable as one of the only road bikes released last year to still feature a rim brake option, Team Ineos made the official announcement in September that it would switch to disc brakes for most events. This means that 2022 will be the first year that every World Tour team rides disc brakes in some capacity. Unless there is a last-minute change of heart from one of the big teams, this means it's almost a certainty that every single Grand Tour will be won on disc brakes next year. In all honesty, this is hardly a seismic moment in the world of cycling tech. Notable, yes, but disc brakes have already proven themselves time and again, and comparing the merits and downsides of each at this stage is also tiresome at best. However, for rim brake aficionados such as myself, it's a strong statement of intent from the industry as a whole, and it suggests that rim brake road bikes at the top end of the sport really are going the way of the dodo. On the other hand, I expect availability of parts and wheel sets will continue for many years to come. After all, both SRAM Red ETAP AXS and Shimano's new Dura-Ace group sets are both available with rim brake options. But for top-end bikes, I suggest you act soon. So there we go. So, um, yeah, Jack thinks every Grand Tour in 2022 is going to be won on disc brakes. Well, there aren't really any Grand Tour teams now not running disc brakes, isn't that right? Like Pinarello's new bike comes with discs. It does. And they were the it last does, of the big teams. And they teams. did say that they'll be going over to di- whether that's exclusive. I don't know. Mm. They could chop and change because the F, the Dogma F, will continue to be made with rim brakes as well. Okay. So I don't know. In the search for marginal gains, maybe their their boffins will decide on a one, climbing yeah, bike or something. A climbing yeah. bike or or a, or a, a, a spring classics bike, perhaps as discs are better suited. Yeah. Fair. Okay. Well, thanks for the contribution, Jack. Uh, let's talk gravel. We are motoring through uh, little Vox Pops because they haven't been recorded yet and I've got no idea how long Jack's going to rabbit on about these things. It could be a little while. So this this podcast is either going to be 15 minutes or half an hour or 50 minutes. Who knows? <laughs> this is this is amazing because we don't know and don't you know. don't know. Well, actually, you probably do know because you've looked at the little bar at the bottom and are maybe <laughs> pressing skip forwards by 15 seconds or playing it at 1.8 times speed. Um, but either way, this is exciting. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this yeah. is a new experience. Um so yeah, let's move away from properly skinny tires and let's talk about um, fatter, chunkier tires with nobbles on, but still with curly handlebars. Um, gravel is obviously one of the biggest uh, growing genres of cycling. Everyone seems to love it, from mountain bikers through to road cyclists. It's a catch-all uh, for everything, and it wouldn't be surprising that on the team, a lot of us ride gravel bikes. Alex, are you a big gravel fan? Mate, I'm so gravelly. You don't even know what to do with myself. You just live with a handlebar bag just swinging in front of you too constantly. Much, too much gravel. Yeah. Uh, top tube bags, um, saddle bags. All the bags. Uh, frame corner bags. Nice. Um, do you have some cargo shorts? Cargo shorts, mm-hmm. uh, bib bib short liner pockets. Ooh. You've got um, it all. Sock pockets. Yeah. 
run by the ankles. Um, <laughs> it, it is now. Be. Uh, peaked helmets on the gravel bike. I don't know. Yeah, no, not for me. Oh, no. I'm a big peaked peaked gravel helmet. Really? I'm a gravel bike. Absolutely. Oh, just when I thought we'd be friends. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> Sam, what about you? You gravel? I haven't seen you on the gravel bike. I haven't yeah, seen you on I, any I bike. I gravel. You gravel. I gravel on occasion. Well, it's in my it's in my um job description. Job description, really. So I kind of have to. Must have to. Yeah. Uh, but I do enjoy it as well. So uh, yeah, I feel like gravel subgenres there should be now. It's starting to. Mm-hmm. Oh no, if we, if we already. No, no, Warren's yeah, you you say what Warren's going to say. We'll repeat ourselves. I thought we'd already we've already chopped in it. Chopped in. We haven't chopped Warren yet. Keep yeah. going. Keep yeah. going. Power okay. through. So, like Warren didn't say. Like Warren said, uh, I think the the subgenres of genre is a, of gravel is a, is a necessary thing. Mm-hmm. The the genre is maturing quite rapidly, and I think the bikes to to do what they need to do have to be separated mm-hmm. i'm warren roster senior technical editor for all things road here at bike radar and my tech trend for 2022 well personally i'm looking forward to seeing gravel bikes evolving into more than just the nebulous genre it's currently defined as the trend towards gar- gravel bikes as fast competitive machines is a really good thing now don't get me wrong but nothing but respect for riders who want to load up their lives on their bike and head off into the wild and so need a bike with a multitude of fixtures and fittings. But frankly, that's not for me. There are far too many great hotels, pubs and warm places to rest after a long day in the saddle as opposed to crawling under a canvas pod. That means I like my gravel bikes to be stripped down, shorn of excess weight and built for fast fun. So I like that one strain of gravel that's evolved to reflect fast, lightweight bikes built for fun days out rather than transcontinental endeavours. The trend started with 3T and Cervelo, and now we've seen Specialized, Cannondale, Villiers, and a few more besides on the way to join this emerging, evolving species of drop bar off-roader. Right now, I think in gravel, the buying choice is just all too confusing for us all. It's like being asked to choose a road bike and being offered um, the choice between a Trek Madone and a Dort's Galaxy Tourer. Or, for the mountain bikers out there, it'd be like asking your opinion on whether to buy a Trek Supercaliber, as ridden by Yolanda Leff, or Greg Menard's Santa Cruz V10. These simply aren't the same thing. I know subgenres in bikes can get a bit overwhelming, but if there's one cycling discipline that needs it right now, it's most certainly gravel. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And just another footnote to that, the other thing I'm really looking forward to in 2022 is it finally being the year that provides us all the stuff we were promised in 2021 when the bike industry's 
big, huge delays finally catch up. And yes, I'm talking about you, 12-speed Ortega Di2. If you were going to go out and buy a gravel bike, what kind of gravel bike would you go and buy? I was discussing this with Alex earlier. Huh? I'm, I'm more of a, I say, purist. Okay. Basically, just a cross bike with extra tyre clearance. Sure. I don't want to, I don't, I just want to go fast off-road for an hour or two. Yeah. I don't necessarily want to spend my days hacking around somewhere trying not to be lost so the offspring of a cross bike and an endurance road bike basically yeah yeah one the the, the true gravel purist tom i mean you know i mean of course sam's a purist yeah look at him i i too would be a bit of a purist in fact me and my gravel bike that i've mentioned multiple times on the bike i don't think you've mentioned it Hang on, is it is it a, a, a Lauf? I'm, I'm not sure if I got that right. It's Lauf True Grip. Not just because I really like it. I do generally think it's great, but also because I actually haven't got time to ride other gravel bikes. So it's the only one I ride. What, uh, what fork is, is the Lauf? It's got a Lauf Grit fork That's on it. That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't think you've mentioned that either. I don't think I ever have. Let me talk about it now. That's so purist as well, Tom. <laughs> you know. I, see, I just like to think I was ahead of the time because I've been riding suspended gravel for <laughs> three or four years now. Um, and obviously the big news... Yeah, in fact, that was the thing. That I'm just going to have like a little ounce of annoyance at the bike industry. Not an ounce of annoyance, but like I got frustrated this year because uh, RockShox released their suspension fork, the Ruby, for gravel bikes. Um, prior to the Ruby's launch, I always sort of felt that certainly on social media and stuff like that, you know, gravel suspension either received an awful lot of anger of people like, eh, it's just a mountain bike, all that sort of stuff, or it was completely ignored. Suspension forks of gravel have been out for years from all the big manufacturers up until this point, apart from RockShox. They launched theirs. All of a sudden, everyone's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, what a great idea. Oh, 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 RockShox gravel fork. Oh, 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 oh RockShox like, friends. Like, oh, and, friends. And I'm sure it's great. I haven't ridden it, but I'm sure it is great. And my, my anger isn't with RockShox. It isn't with the industry. It's with people who, as soon as Strammel is something, everyone's like amazed. Oh, my God, they didn't bloody invent it. Mm. Well, that's testimony to their incredible marketing. marketing. Which, let's face it, I mean, you know, we're still I mean, talking about it. It's worked. It's, yeah, and it is gravel, which is the ultimate marketer's dream. I mean, j- just going back to your uh, point that was probably maybe an hour ago now mm. in relative podcast listening time uh, about uh, tyre sizes, which is, I believe... Hang on this... a minute. We haven't even cut in with Robin's suggestion yet, but carry on. Well, um, I-, I was just going to kind of relay it on the mountain bike kind of side oh, okay. and... Uh, our ex ex colleague Seb Stott did a wonderful piece uh, on Bike Radar and Bike Radar's video channel, um, asking the question: Which tire size is faster? Mm. Is bigger, faster, basically mm. the the width, as in tire size, not the diameter. And he came to the conclusion that actually, the wider the tire, the faster rolling it is. Yeah, and and this ties in very nicely with Robin's suggestion. So let's hear what Robin has to think about her twenty twenty two trend. Hi, I'm Robin. I'm one of the videographers at Bike Radar. And I think this year's trend is going to be wider tyres. Um, it's a trend which is relevant across like every discipline of cycling, um, especially in gravel biking. Uh, so on gravel bikes of old, tyres generally come stock to about 35mm to 40mm tyres. But now modern frames are like offering clearance for up to 50mm tyres with a new standard of about 42 to 47mm appearing on most new gravel bikes. And I've managed to squeeze 650B 2.0 tyres on my Canyon Grail and it kind of rolls like a tank and I really love it. Um, there are a lot of benefits to wider tyres. They can add extra comfort, reduce the chance of the punctures, and in some cases they roll faster than narrower tyres. Um, and in the ki- case of wider tubeless tyres particularly, you get more air volume, lower pressure and more squish, which just makes it more fun riding outdoors. 
So in 2022, I think we'll be seeing lots of new bikes with wider tyres fitted as stock and frames with much wider clearances to accommodate this trend. Thanks for that, Robin. I mean, you know, it makes, makes total sense, right? The curly handlebar riding is quite a lot about speed, I guess. You know, speed is like the big thing. Mm. I know when I go out on my road bike or whatever, I want to go fast. I mean, I'm not going fast, but I want to go fast. So on gravel, why not do things that can help you go faster? And if that means you get more comfort in the same kind of uh, at the same time, then, you know, why not? So, I mean, how wide are we going to go? What are we looking at? Like six inch wide tires, 10 inch wide tires. Are we just going to go fat bikes? Should we all be riding fat bikes? Please let us know. I don't know. It's kind of funny, I think, with... um... With with road riders coming into gravel, they're, they're traditionalists by nature. So I feel like they need the sensation of speed. So Robin's right, tires will get will get wider and should get wider. But I don't know how quickly that's going to be taken on. Whether people will will understand that just because you don't feel like you're going fast, you are going fast. Yeah. And what what's going to be the limit then? Where are they going to cap it at? Like. I think it depends. I, I think there's just going to be lots of options. If you look at mountain bikes, so plus tires have just died. Yeah. Like, when was the last time you saw a three inch wide tire no. on a mountain bike? Fat bikes have, you know, trundled on to wherever they are now, obscurity. The I beach, think. yeah. Um, <laughs> the which Arctic is fine. tundra. And there's a time and a place for a fat bike. Now, don't get me wrong, but there's very few times of very few places where a fat bike is actually better than a mountain bike. But we digress. But I think it must. It just depends on you know what you are looking for what you want to get out of it like i love like a proper racy road bike i don't ride road bikes very much but when i do i want it to be like full aero deep wheels and i don't want much more than a 25 or maybe a 28 if i'm going for a longer ride for a bit of comfort because i want it to like look and feel like ridiculous you know and i don't want to be bouncing around like on some super like 32 34 mil wide slicks like that's fine but it's it's not for me you know likewise on a mountain bike yeah like I, I, I like a 2.3 or a 2.4, like skinny treaded bike tire that feels really fast. I don't need to be riding around on a 2.8 inch slugger of a bike all the time, even if Seb says it is slightly faster down a hill. Yeah, because I'm me. Seb. I mean, Seb's just fast. Just yeah. one of those people. <laughs> all right, well, um, let's have a little uh, break from that. Um, now, Will Poole, here's our workshop mechanic. So we all get workshop to ride. manager. Workshop manager. I'm so sorry, Will. Good gosh. We all get to um, we get to ride a lot of bikes. Um, Will gets to work on even more of them because every bike that we test goes through Will's capable hands, um, and he's got quite an interesting trend for 2022. So take it away, Will. Hi, I'm Will. I'm the workshop manager. So I put together most of the bikes you see on the channel or in the magazines. For 2022, the trend I most expect from the bike industry is more brands releasing multi-role drop bar bikes. For years, we've seen more different types of bikes being introduced, be they lightweight climbing bikes, be they endurance style bikes with added comfort, or be they super aero speed machines. Um, I think in recent years, we've seen offerings like Rondo's HVRT, which had a flip chip in the forks, allowing geometry changes for different size wheels. And more recently, Willia have released their Rave, which offers a range of different tire sizes in a 700C wheel, or the option of 650Bs as well. I think we'll see more brands offering this style of bike, which would allow you to go on a pacey road ride with your mates, on one day, and then on an entirely separate day, having switched the wheels, 
uh, go off-road and go bikepacking. Hopefully, they'll include features to make them more functional, like hidden mudguard or fender mounts and dynamo cable routing. Offering a commuter option makes the bike more usable to aid today and reduces the need for ever more bikes. So, okay, well, thanks for that, Will. I guess a great example um, is the new bold Lincoln bike. On the mountain bike side. Yeah, that, that comes um, in a 130mm travel version and uh, see the 150 or 155, I can't quite remember off the top of my head, mm-hmm. uh, using the same frame. And I think Rocky Mountain have also done a, a similar thing with the um, altitude and the instinct mm-hmm. um, where you just you know swap a few things around, a few switch doodars, and you basically got the same frame, but with different travel. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, how, how good is this? I, from a mountain biking perspective, how often are you doing that? Because it's, it's taking off in gravel now. Yeah. I'll talk I mean, about you, it. You do, you do it once. When you get the bike, you put it in the <laughs> longest, what, lowest setting, I mean. and then you leave it there forever. And it, it so Tom's absolutely right. You know, it, it's it's the same oh, as the bike got a high and a low geometry setting. Yeah, it does. Which one do you use? Well, I use the low one. The, the only oh. exception to that rule was the uh, Stumpy Evo from about three years ago, which I had as a long term. And it was so low in its lowest setting that you couldn't pedal anywhere because <laughs> I think the, you know, the cranks were just scraping off the ground every revolution. It was almost impossible to ride, certainly on like an uphill single track um, in its low setting. And I think and the, the high setting was slack and long enough that actually it worked. But I think that's the only one I've ever known that hasn't just lived in a low setting. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's no different on the mountain bike side of things than it is on a gravel bike. Could, gravel bikes, are, there's more, more and more designs coming out. The 51 Assassins brings to mind most recently, I think it was started by uh, the HRVT. Yeah, the, Ronda. yeah Rondo's hurt. Yeah. Rondo has something similar. And you're like, great, it's a nice idea. Mm. Perhaps it's progressive, but who's going to change it often? You have to, you have to adjust the brake caliper. Yeah, brake no, color change wheels. The, the, that Rondo hurt um, warranted. It was our bike of the year a couple of years ago. Twenty eighteen was twenty eighteen bike of the year, and and I think again, you know, like I mean, as someone who like really likes mountain bikes, we would only ever have like you know would have one mountain bike to do one job, and would never have a, a, a multi use mountain bike. From a drop bar, you know, if it, if it was me, that actually sounds quite good. Having you know like a road bike and a gravel bike that is the same thing. I'm kind of into it. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's, that that has more application or more validity in its application than perhaps a, a gravel bike that you can change between aggressive and mm. and stable. Mm. Like I think you'll 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 pick the one that best suits your riding style and stick with it. Yeah, I mean we're we're about to you know kind of tread on the toes of 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 my trend here. <gasps> You've taken my segue, Al. Well, there you go, Tom. Great minds think alike. What's your twenty twenty two trend? Well, um, I'll, I'll just. Uh, I'll just I'll just uh, continue a little point there before I go into a- any detail. Um, it kind of begs the question: if we're all getting these bikes, Bar Tom's um, Stump Jumper Evo from a few years ago, and putting them into the slacker setting, okay, so you've got a road bike and a gravel bike that can be adjusted between the two. But what discernible, measurable disadvantages are of using it in its gravel bike geometry on the road, as long as you've got appropriate tires? and you oh, know, the rest no, of it nothing it'd it, take you it'd take you a few minutes to to perhaps feel that oh, something's a little bit weird but you adjust to that yeah all, and automatically very quickly it could maybe even be better say you're riding down a bumpy horrible lane that requires a bit of extra you know control mm-hmm. if you 
you know, I, d- I don't know. I can't think of a lane off the top of my head, but there's a lane. There's a lane somewhere that's horrible and bumpy. All lanes. Um, uh, I know. There you go. Look, here you go. For people that live in the United Kingdom, the hill down from Lansdowne, the Lansdowne Hill in oh, Bath. Nightmare. From the race course down, down to Bath City Centre. And, uh, you know, doing that on a, on a road bike in, in I'm, I'm doing inverted commas, podcast people here um, with my hands. Um, with road bike geometry, you know, surely you want it to be slacker, longer, lower, uh, more stable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Taking, um, moving away from Al, and as you know, keeping with Al's um, theme for this, but onto the roadside, is a, you know, like endurance road bikes are longer, slacker, a little bit lower than like a real racing bike. Are we going to see, like on the mountain bike, we've gone extreme, you know, geometron, pole, that sort of thing. They've gone absolutely mental with their reaches, head angles, all that sort of jazz. Is there anyone doing similar things on the road bike, super extreme geometries on a pure road bike? No, because well, it's a gravel bike. Then I think yeah, the the lines you, they they've blurred lines already. So I don't think they're they're going to blur blur anymore by making endurance bikes too more extreme in 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 a performance side of mm-hmm. things. They they might they'll they, that's that genre is stagnating. So they'll need to act add extra aspects to it but i don't think it's going to be development of of uh capability or or geometry that sort of thing cool well maybe there's a there's a market there that needs exploiting mm-hmm. yeah al definitely. what's your trend so my trend uh, it's, it's not a trend it's it's a wish it's a hope it's a desire it's something that i implore bike companies to go and do which is uh put long slack low geometry on all your bikes on all disciplines, this is talking about mountain biking because that's my my niche within a niche within a niche. Um, I can't see any disadvantages for having a lightweight cross-country bike with a steep seat tube angle, a slack head tube angle, a long reach and a long wheelbase and long chain stays. It's only going to make it easier to ride on the downs, more comfortable on the climbs and better everywhere oh my gosh i've just completely blown everyone's minds and i think that that's going to be the same across disciplines because you think like an example you're riding a really short high wobbly bike and you're a great rider but you're having to compensate for the head angle being really steep or the front end being really short by leaning back on the bike and suddenly the handling's all crazy and you're swinging off the back of the thing and it's all going to hell but if you've got a really slack bike that's quite long and that's easier to ride, easier in inverted commas, because I think it is, you can get over the front wheel, you can be more confident, you're more in control, you're having a great time. Everybody is stoked. But how representative is that of what the pros ride on the mountain bike side of things? I'd say it's fairly representative of quite a few. Mm-hmm. Now, in mountain bike racing, and I'm kind of talking out of turn here because I'm retired and not particularly <laughs> successful. Um, you just made it sound like you were some sort of like pro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a definitely a retired mountain bike racer. Definitely, there's no, there's no pro in that. I mean, I no longer race my mountain bike. Uh, yeah, so I mean, you know, talking out of turn, maybe quite a bit. I don't know. It depends who's listening. Mm. Um, quite a lot of pros actually ride shorter bikes with mm-hmm. steeper head tube angles. But if they're winning... Where is the impetus to change that? Mm-hmm. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. But how do they know whether actually they might be able to go another 10 seconds quicker? Well, I guess mm-hmm. the, the, is whether they've, you know, when the new bike is launched, they end up on a new model or if they change teams, you know, like 
if one if they go from one team to another and the new bike is is shorter and steeper, they're still doing well. Maybe it actually doesn't matter. I mean, well, maybe, but I mean, the, the example that springs to mind is Greg Minar, who um, has progressively got longer V10 downhill bikes, and be- to begin with, he had a head he had a reach reducing <clears throat> headset cup in there to actually make the bike shorter. And then he went to its middle setting and now he's actually gone to a reach increasing headset cup. Mm-hmm. And it's just a slow old progression, I think. And, okay. and it, it, in my opinion, you know, I, I can I can see no disadvantages. So recently I tested the the pole stamina said, I've done it again. I said it with a crazy accent. I don't know how to say it. Every time I say it, I say it with a funny accent. I say it with just a normal, my accent, a pole stamina 160 <laughs> remastered, which is arguably quite a long slack low bike. And on the descents, it's one of the first times that I felt like I could actually get my weight over the front wheel without fear of going over the handlebars. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, you know, really instilled in me this idea that I, I can't see why it would be bad. I can't see why it would be bad. Like, you know, I could still bury myself on the climbs. It had a really steep CG angle. It was comfortable, blah, blah, blah. And that's what I want for 2022. I want bike brands to really explore geometry across all the disciplines because it could help beginners as well. Can I ask, are you expecting, so let's take a like a real like rad enduro bike, size large, say it's got like a 485 reach, 63 head angle, 78 seat angle, 1300 build wheelbase. Are you wanting an XC race bike, the next Canyon Lux? To have the same angles or are you bracketing everything still within like an XC bike you know let's give it 65 let's make it 77 let's give it a, a 12 30 you know that you know are you expecting them to be different or do you want everything the same shape just with different amount of travel and different rolling resistances tires you know what tom that's a really good question that's, i don't have yeah, the answer. prepared for this have you no not no. one minute. I wasn't expecting anyone to be quite so insightful and intelligent <laughs> as that. I thought I'd be able to just wing this and, and with a, you know a bit of gobby gobby shouting and get away with it. Well, we'll be back in twenty 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 two with our twenty twenty three check projections, and uh, that'll be my question for you then. I'll um, I'll, I'll make a note. <laughs> let's uh, let's quickly hear from um, our senior uh, technical editor in chief. Uh, Rob who, who, Weaver. Senior technical editor. I can never remember his title. Every time. He's like the, the big boss man. Just, yeah, just say all the words. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Rob Weaver, what's, what, what his trend for 2022 is? I'm Rob Weaver, technical editor-in-chief, and I manage all our testing content across Bike Radar, Cycling Plus, and MBUK. So the trend I'd like to talk about for 2022 has to be around the fact that kids' kit and bikes are getting better and better. It was just at the Eurobike show uh, back in July where we spotted new tyres from Schwalbe. So they now have a Big Betty in a 20-inch and a 24-inch. Uh, there's also an RST fork, which is designed specifically for 24-inch wheels. And we've got new helmets from the likes of Urge. So they they basically use um, the adult size helmet scaled down. So it's got all the same tech to protect your little one's heads. And more recently, um, Specialized have just launched their revamped versions of their Rip Rock bikes in 20 and 24-inch wheels. Uh, The top-end version actually has a suspension fork, a 100mm travel fork from Manitou. But the other two bikes are designed just around a rigid fork. So, Sam, you've got kids. I've got, yes. Have you, Sam? I have two of them. Two of them. Genuine. I do, yeah. I genuine. I had no idea you did. I know. Brilliant. It looks like I'm woefully underqualified. I am woefully underqualified for them, but I do have two of them. And they're both still alive. So. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah. As I said at the start of the pod, Sam is new at bike radar. I clearly go. haven't got to know him well enough. Yeah. I'm not that new. <laughs> Newish. <laughs> um, so, yeah, kids' bikes. Mm. Um, they're great if you can get the children to ride them. You know, yeah. I've a six-year-old boy. He, oh, he's he got a very nice bike because I'm in the bike industry yeah. and I get to get nice things like that. Um, but he doesn't want to ride it at the moment. So, yeah, it's all very, all very well having lo- having lovely bikes, but the children need to ride them, need to want to ride them. I'm not going to push it. No. He will come to it. He, you know, I'm, I'm working on a very, it. very subtle brainwash. Yeah. Um, yeah. Long, long game. Nice. Need to want to ride it, uh, a.k.a. should be made to want to ride it by their parents who want them to ride it. Yes. Yeah, got mm-hmm. it. Spot on. Okay, well, let's, uh, let's hear what Luke has to say. So Luke doesn't have kids. Uh, isn't interested in kids' bike, but he is interested in electronic integration. Hi, I'm Luke Marshall, tech writer for MUK and Bike Radar. For 2022, I'm most interested to see how much more electronic suspension tech is used in racing. During the 2021 downhill season, Ludwig Bruni ran some form of prototype Olin's electronic suspension with a thumb trigger button on his handlebar and a mystery hidden underneath a secretive carbon cover on the specialized demo. Less covered was Miriam Nicole and Greg Minard's bikes that were spotted with Fox Live Valve Electronics attached to the rear shocks. Also, Tom Peacock took the men's cross-country Olympic title on what looked like prototype SR Suntour electronic suspension on his blacked-out BMC four-stroke. Plus, recently, RockShop released their flight attendant electronic suspension that controls the low-speed compression damping on their compatible forks and shocks. While the release was limited to specific full-build bikes from the likes of Trek, YT, and Canyon. Flight attendant was spotted on Specialized Riders Charlie Murray's Enduro at the Crans Montana EWS in Switzerland. Furthermore, with it being compatible on the Trek Slash, it'd be interesting to see if the Trek factory racing Enduro team employ it in the hunt for possible advantages in an ever-increasing competitive Enduro scene. I'm confident in saying electronic suspension is where suspension design is heading. And I'm interested to see what turns up on the race circuit over the next year or two. That's often the first place where we see the latest tech. So, I mean, you know, I I guess Luke's like talking about flight attendant, access gearing, Mm -hmm. e-bike integration. You know, you've got on your Garmin. Now you can get on, on your IQ app, you can attach it to your Shimano or Bosch motor or even your specialized motor. You can attach it to your DI2 gears, your access gears, probably your flight attendant stuff on RockShox, I suspect. I don't really know. Um, but it's the way it's heading, isn't it? Mm. Scary. It's all just very scary for me. Yeah. It's all very... I, I, I'm, I'll go for the the acoustic bike. I'll okay. that, that mm. terrible term. A purist, not just a gravel purist. No, just a purist a, across the board. Yeah. yeah. A true um, purist. I, you know, I forget to charge things, so I'd rather just pick a bike that I can use. Would and you not have to worry about anything? Does that mean mechanical gears? Oh, no, I won't go oh, God. Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh, I'm not a heathen. I'm not a heathen. <laughs> <laughs> what one does not shift gears with a cable? <laughs> uh, I've actually got an interesting anecdote about. Uh, Gears. Mm-hmm. This, I mean, you guys look enthralled already by the <laughs> opener of that sentence. Interesting anecdote and gears in the um, same sentence. Yeah, it was really great. So um, I had a, an access equipped bike. Um, I think it might have been the Santa Cruz Bronson, which was XO1 access, which is one down from the top of the range. Um, started the ride. It was a very wet ride. I hadn't cleaned the bike very well for quite a few weeks prior to this. 
and I believe that there was quite a lot of crud on the uh, spring derailleur. Derailleur spring, that way around. And uh, I think maybe the little access motor was having a bit of a hard time shifting gears. Anyway, started the ride with a little green light saying, yeah, you know, you're a hero. You can shift for 30 hours, mm. whatever it is that SRAM claims. Halfway around the ride, uh, the little light started flashing red and I'd messed up completely and I'd ran out of battery. Um, and it was a quite a ball ache, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I ran out of battery on my derailleur. And, you know, fortunately, I've got thighs of thunder and managed to grind around in seventh gear. You know, this was at the bottom of Glentress Trail Centre and I had to get to the top. I was in the bottom of a dead end valley and it was quite a horrible climb out of it. Um, and since that day, I now keep a spare access battery, uh, which costs like 50 quid, weigh 50 grams. Or maybe they weigh, maybe they cost thirty quid and weigh fifty grams, or thirty grams and cost fifty quid. Either way, they're not too expensive, not too heavy. I always keep one in my bum bag when I'm riding an access equipped bike. Uh-huh. Um, so you've teared us up for the interesting anecdote, and, <laughs> and I didn't deliver. Yeah, and and you know to to really round off my interesting anecdote, um, I picked up a, a YT Capra Uncaged Six, oh, yeah. uh, which is their enduro bike, but with SRAM's flight attendant. Uh, access everything. A- and access so flight attendant shock and fork plus access derailleur and dropper post and that's four batteries mm. no no because there's shift well no well p- plus batteries. two cr 2030s or whatever they are on the shifters as well so six batteries in total on a bike um not even got a motor not got a motor nightmare ridiculous well there we go well um cool story bro my, uh, we'll move on to the uh, our last prediction for 2022, and that is mine. I get to round out uh, 22 uh, tech trends with a really cheerful one, <laughs> um, because my prediction for 2022 is this. Now, 2021 has been a pretty rough year for the cycle industry. Um, getting hold of parts and accessories has been now an impossible. Horrible for consumers Horrible. too. Well, this is what I mean. You know, there's been no bikes available. OEMs are suffering. Um, bikes are seemingly expensive because there's no deals on them because demand is through the roof. X, Y, Z. So my trend for 2022 is that nothing's going to change. I think 2022 is just going to be just as painful as 2021 has been. Yeah, I agree. It's a long road back to recovery, I think, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, and f- for that reason, they call you Sunshine Marvin. Sunshine Marvin, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I just think it's going to be really hard. Yeah, we're already seeing, we're still seeing this now. Like trying to get bikes for testing is difficult. People, I know friends who are trying to buy bikes, nine impossible. Try getting hold of like I was getting a, a pair of forks from a distributor, um, in twenty nine inch of a, of a certain type of fork. They had six in the entire distributor, uh, you know, and that's that, that's pretty mad. And I don't think it's going to change this year. So my track tend for 2022 is roll on 2023. Mm. So I think it might get a bit, bit better then. And look after your drivetrain, people. Look after your drive. Yeah, if you spot anything, if you spot anything for sale, buy it. Buy it. Yeah, and then put it on eBay. <laughs> put it on 500% eBay. 500% markup. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there we go. I think... Uh, well, merry, merry 2022 or happy, whichever one it is. And there's, there's literally Al's alarm because he has to go home now. <laughs> so we have timed this to absolute perfection. <laughs> because Alex put an alarm on his phone to remind him to end the podcast. Um, and without further ado, thank you, Sam. That was excellent. Um, and thank you very much, Al. Yeah, thank you, Tom. And uh, yeah, please continue to listen to the White Rider podcast. We'll be coming out every Monday throughout the whole of 2022. That is my second cheeky trend. 
the Bike Radar podcast will continue to come out more regularly than the supply of bikes and bike parts. Much happier, that one. And each one will be timed to perfection with an alarm. With an alarm. (laughs) Right, thanks very much and goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com. Thank you.